Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey everybody, my name is Eric Arno, and this is part one of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories November episode, wherein we explore the theme of other options. Today, join speakers Joe Gennaro, Chris Crotwell, and Kevin Budnick. You'll also get music from Claire Friedman, Dwight Hassler, and myself, as usual. Uh, so right now we're in the middle of November, which means we're halfway through the Nerdalogs' latest sketch run, The Multiverse vs. George Lucas. You can catch the show the first four Fridays of the month at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago, at 10 p.m. Tickets are $15 and are totally well worth it. For more info on the show, hit up our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thenerdalogs. Uh, also, our next Your Stories recording is this coming Sunday, November 17th at 7 p.m., and it's also at the Public House, of course. The theme this month is Across the Universe. Join us as we partner up with Improvised Star Trek and the Klingon Christmas Carol to tell some galaxy-spanning stories, and hey, why don't you share one of your own while you're there? As always, Your Stories is free to attend, and you can get on a podcast if you share. Pretty sweet deal. Uh, one last note, guys, please make sure to leave reviews for all three Nerdalogs podcasts on iTunes. Besides Your Stories, there is also the Nerdalogcast and MBSing with Mary Beth Smith. The more positive feedback we get, the easier it is for other people to find our shows, which obviously you want because you love us so much, right? Uh, also, one person who leaves a review will get to be chosen as the first non-Nerdalogues guest on a live recording of the Nerdalogcast, which will happen Saturday, December 1st at 7pm at the pub. It's going to be a great time, so if you want to be on that show, please leave us a nice review. Uh, finally, thank you all again for listening. Obviously, we love that you're here. We hope you enjoy the show. Uh, see you later. Yeah. Hey, guys. We're having a good night tonight. Um, so the theme today is other options. And so I want to ask you guys, what do you think, what music, what did we pick for you? Like, what was the unifying thread in all our music choices tonight? False. Zydeco. That would have been good. No. That's a great idea. People were in bands but went off to have their own solo career. Yes. That is Mary Beth. Mary Beth gets all the points. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mary Beth, how dare you? Is this alright. Yeah, so we need Claire Friedman. We need this at a good height. Um We're in a band, guys, the three of us. We're cover stories. Um and these are songs, yeah, these are people that used to be in bands that then left and found success. If you saw our sketch show a couple weeks ago, not everyone who left the Nerdalogs found success afterwards, but these people did. <laughs> but Phil Collins wasn't in the Nerdalogs.
I would not lend a hand I've seen your face before my friend But I don't know if you know who I am Well, I was there and I saw what you did I saw it with my own two eyes So you can wipe off that grin I know where you've been It's all been a pack of lies I can feel it coming in the air tonight Oh Lord I've been waiting for this moment for all my life Oh Lord I can feel it coming in the air tonight Oh Lord I've been waiting for this moment for all my life Oh Lord Oh Lord Well I remember I remember, don't worry, worry, worry. How could I ever forget? It's the first time, the last time we ever met, met. But I know the reason why you keep your silence up. No, you don't see me. Well, the hurt doesn't show. Pain still grows Stranger to you and me history when phil collins does that live he like sings and drums at the same time it's pretty impressive just walks around with a headset <laughs> well he's no he's at the kit i've I seen think. where he just walks around oh okay <laughs> we've seen different videos so, so um, we've, no we've all seen only one <laughs> <laughs> this is a more recent success story <coughs> of splitting and uh being becoming popular bigger than the original group he was in yeah <laughs> bigger than cover stories maybe <laughs> maybe alright Thank you. 
my sun You were my earth You didn't know all the ways I loved you No So you took a chance Made other plans But you didn't think that they would come crashing down No You don't have to say what you did I already know I found out from him Now there's just no chance For you and me There'll never be Don't it make you sad about it Tell me you love me Why did you leave me all alone? Why you tell me you need me When you call me on the phone? Girl, I refuse You must have me confused With some other guy It wasn't like you only talked to him and you know it All of these things you told me keep messing with my head You should have picked honesty, then you may not have blown it yet what you did, I already know. I already know. I found out from him. him. Now there's no chance. No chance. You and me. You and me. Be. Don't it make you sad about it? Told me you love me. Why did you leave me? Is done, so yes, I'll be leaving. Oh, the damage is done, so yes, I'll be leaving. Oh, the damage is done, so yes, I'll be leaving. You don't have to say what you did, what you did. I already know, I already know. I found out from him. No chance, you and me. Don't it make you sad about it? Oh, 
Stories off with Nerdalogs member Joe Gennaro. As opposed to all the other Joes in Nerdalogs. Yeah. You're my favorite, though. Thank you. I'm definitely top three in my book. (laughs) Uh, I would like to apologize to uh, cover stories. I didn't realize that he would tell you, uh, and I did confuse you guys with another guy. So. (laughs) That was my bad. Um, so this is actually a monologue that I, I wrote and performed at our most recent show where we were exploring other options as well. If you ask a child what they want to be when they grow up, there are certain answers that you kind of expect. Doctor, fireman, astronaut, president. And lots of kids will keep that answer year after year, and they'll do research and write papers about it in school. They're family might get them gifts that have to do with that uh, profession. Uh, They might go to school and study it, and eventually they will realize, uh, fully realize the path that they were on when they were 20-odd years old. They will have become exactly what they wanted to be when they grew up. Now, I never really had an answer for that question, or, or rather, I never had a consistent answer for that question. I mean, there were jobs that I wanted to have, but it was really only for a little bit. And I would never fail to drop that once the new shiny thing came into focus. Everything just sounded like so much fun. You learn of jobs where you get to build things out of steel and stone. Jobs where you get to travel overseas and meet new people. Jobs where you discover things that haven't been held by human hands in centuries. Jobs where you get to create something that has never existed before. With so many exciting possibilities out there, why would someone want to do one job, the same job, for 40 or 50 years? The same office, every day, 9 to 5, punch in, punch out. I felt that people are were robbing themselves of so many potential experiences. And that's why I could never decide when I was a kid. I mean, I wanted to be everything. Uh, the first thing that I remember wanting to be was a professional Ghostbuster. <laughs> my grandmother would often employ my services to rid her house of ghosts. Now, looking back, of course, I'm sure that she didn't think her house was actually haunted that often. I probably took care of them the first couple times. <laughs> I vividly remember what I wanted to be around second grade. I wanted to be a scientist and a monster truck driver. Now, those are not two separate jobs. I wanted to be a monster truck driver slash scientist. I imagined crawling into Bigfoot or Gravedigger in a white lab coat, then crushing old Cadillacs while running experiments set up in my passenger seat with test tubes and beakers. Tell me that doesn't sound awesome, and I will tell you that you are a liar. (laughs) For a short period and probably the only time in my life, I found a sport that I enjoyed and I wanted to play forever. And I was utterly heartbroken when I found out there was no such thing as professional kickball player. Thank you. Uh, Around fifth grade, I decided I wanted to be a chef. I watched my mom cook all the time. I loved eating food. And it would be fun to make food and then eat it or have other people eat it. Even more than just cooking, I really wanted to own my own restaurant. I even had a name picked out for it. Cup of Joe. 
And it would have been more than just a coffee place, although I would have forgive you for the assumption. It would have been American fare, kind of comfort food. Think pick-me-up cafe minus the vegan and vegetarian-friendly vegetarian options. In high school, when you're actually supposed to know what you want to do, my cupboard was pretty bare. There wasn't anything that I felt really passionate about. No path that I knew I wanted to follow. I just knew that I didn't want to have a normal, boring job. It was also in high school when a friend suggested I audition for a play. I thought, why not? I could do that after school. My friends are already doing marching band, and they're so cool. <laughs> so I tried out for the play, and I got in. And I loved it. Being able to become a brand new person, finding the layers of meaning in their character, also being encouraged to say things and have people laugh, which is all I've ever wanted, all made this a very favorable experience. So it made me realize that being an actor, you can be anything. You can be a police officer, you can be a teacher, you can be a Civil War soldier or a scientist who saves the world or whatever you want to be. You weren't stuck being one thing. You could be everything. So I went to school to study acting. Small school in Ohio, only 2,300 kids or so. Graduated in four years with my bachelor's. And then once school was over, I got a job. And of course, I got one in my field, right? Obviously, no. <laughs> I've had several paying jobs since college, but very few of them have been for acting. I had a job at Walmart, where I stocked the shelves with Kleenex and Tide detergent. I worked for the Cleveland Cavaliers for two seasons. I got to perform on court, sure, but acting it was not. I was employed at a for-profit online university, and I did act there. Every day, I acted like I didn't want to kill myself and every single person around me. <laughs> my supervisors would often track my time at work, and... Uh, talk to me about how little time I was spending trying to convince uneducated lower middle class pe uh, persons to sign up for our school. I instead spent time reading books, including Orwell's classic 1984. The fact that they were tracking my time while I did this, uh, the irony of that was lost on them. <laughs> uh, most recently, I I've done over-the-phone customer support for a nonprofit and a tutoring company, and that's fine. I mean, the work is okay, but that's all that it is. It's just work. It's a job. It's not my career. And even though I go to the same office Monday through Friday, 40 hours a week, punch in, punch out, the culmination of everything I feared when I was younger, I don't really mind. Because all the while, I've still been doing what I wanted to do. I've been taking comedy classes. I've been writing material, rehearsing, performing on stage for audiences of varying sizes, including here for you tonight. In my head as a kid... The reason that having a long-term office job was scary was because that's all that there was. That was all that I could see. But now doing it, I know that I am more than my 9 to 5. My career is more than my job. I get to perform. I get to stand in front of people, say things, and make them laugh. And that's all I ever really wanted. I get to pretend to be a graphic designer or a stand-up comic superhero or a counselor on an intergalactic space station, or a post-apocalyptic road warrior. And sometimes, if I'm lucky, I get to go up on stage and be myself. And I can't think of anything I would rather be. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. It's worth noting Joe will be playing himself in the next Nerdalogs run. <laughs> <laughs>
Joe versus George Lucas. <laughs> Coming up next to the stage, Mr. Chris Crotwell. Yeah! I got the whole couch. I'm I gonna think sit over here this time. People are afraid of proximity to your fearsome masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> I get the whole couch to myself. myself. All the time. Um, <laughs> beard battle. Beard battle? I think Chris is running right now. I don't know. Um, when I was little, I used to read a lot. In trees, uh, draped over the back of a couch. I wish I still had a piece of furniture imposing enough to do that on. <laughs> you can sit in places when you're little that you just can't as an adult. I used to like to get the bottom of the linen closet and push out all the towels and blankets and then pull them back in and stack them neatly in front of me so that no one could possibly tell I was in there and I would just read with a flashlight. I used to read in the dryer, which Mom never turned on, without knocking because she was terrified she'd kill me and I wouldn't I wouldn't stop doing it. It's really cozy in there. It really is. Um, I would read walking. I would read upside down. You know, when you're talking about options, the things that you can be when you grow up, your parents always tell you you can be anything that you want to be. And that's complete and utter horseshit. We all know that now. (laughs) You're old enough to realize that you couldn't have been anything. You know. And we, this group of people had more options than most. Because unless I'm completely wrong, I think I'm looking at mostly a bunch of dorky white people from middle and upper middle class families. (laughs) Right? If any group of people had options, the most options, this group of people had options, but you still couldn't have been anything. There's a feeling of inevitability about where you end up sometimes. And sometimes that can be lovely, and sometimes it can be awful. But I couldn't have ever been a chef in a restaurant with three Michelin stars. You know, I was never really going to be an astronaut. I wasn't going to win a Nobel Prize. I couldn't have been the lead singer for an incredibly famous rock band. That stuff wasn't going to happen. Because I know myself now. I know what I'm like and what I'm capable of and what I enjoy and how much work I was ever actually going to put into achieving anything, which is remarkably little. But that's just me. Um, And now, finally, for the first time in my life, I find myself in a position where what I'm doing feels like it was inevitable, but that's really, really lovely. See, right now I work in a public library, which isn't something I ever actually thought I would do. When I got a library degree, I thought I'd work at a university or, or maybe in the private sector. I thought I'd maybe want a little bit more money. But when I go in there every day, it feels right. And it feels inevitable in a good way. I talk to people about books all day. I shelve books all day. There's a tidiness to the place that I find really aesthetically pleasant. It just makes me feel cozy. Millions of items of Physical data go whizzing around the city every day. They get picked up, they get shipped out, they move around on trucks, and they all have a home. Every single one has a home in a very specific place where you can always find it. I get to watch little kids come in every day, excited, and then leave with a stack of 30 books, and sad that that's as many as we'll let them take. (laughs) And I remember feeling that way. The first book I ever read was... Balto, 
It was about uh, a, like a husky, right, that delivered medicine to some Alaskan village. And I remember that really vividly. And I got it from the North Shelby County Public Library, which I was lucky enough to have my mom take me to every week. And you leave with a stack of stuff, a stack of ideas, and it's exciting. I got to help an old lady the other day uh, who wanted to find a bunch of books on bladder cancer. She had surgery two months ago. And she said reading made her feel like she had control, and control made things less scary. It's free when you go in a library. But it's also absolutely necessary. I'm proud of what I get to do every day because I can't imagine a world where that sort of resource isn't there, where that sort of safe place isn't there, where little kids can go be excited, where the homeless can come hang out all day, every day, and they do hang out all day, every day, and use the internet. And when they ask me a question, I will find them the answer to that question. I will find the best information I can for them because you have a right to that information because that's what being a citizen of this country means. Public libraries say all the things that I'm proud of about the place that I live and now also about who I am. When I was little, I spent a lot of time reading in trees and upside down and in linen closets and in dryers. And now I spend all day, every day, poking around at half speed, doddering with books, having lovely conversations with people, and occasionally the kind of interactions that remind you how happy you are to be where you are. So I couldn't have been a chef with a three-star Michelin restaurant, and I couldn't have been, you know... Steven Tyler. <laughs> and I would have made a complete shit astronaut. I would have been horrible. My discipline is lacking. But I make a fantastic librarian. And that feels inevitable now. But in a nice way. Congrats, dude. Congrats on the... On the I think... Visually, I could totally see you fronting a band like Mastodon, though. <laughs> With that beard, we just switch out that sweater for like a wife beater, and you're in. <laughs> ah, Tuesdays. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna do one more story, and then we're gonna take a break. We have a newcomer to your stories. We threw a party for his comic company last week because they had super awesome Kickstarter success. He's a really talented cartoonist, and now he's gonna talk. Kevin Budnick. Hey guys, so uh, I brought, I have a crutch because uh, last time I was on stage, uh, I was in 8th grade in my uh, class's production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. <laughs> and I was Charlie Brown. Uh, <laughs> so no big deal. Uh, so, I found my dream job. Uh, I'm a barista, which is something I've always aspired to be because I'm a huge, self-obsessed asshole and a hipster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've always aspired to be uh, self-obsessed, cooler than now, beanie-wearing, bean-grinding, bean-crunching, bean-crunching, counter-jockey. Uh, I like the feeling of being withholding. Uh, I like saying... 
I like saying no. I like saying we have no skim, we have no soy, we have no bananas, uh, we have no decaf, unless it's decaf espresso, so I can make you an Americano, but it's, we don't have decaf coffee. Uh, no, the soup is uh, not vegan, but it is gluten-free. No, we are out of focaccia. No, we are out of multigrain. Uh, you're from Brooklyn, and you don't know what a baguette is. It's kind of like white bread, I guess. Uh, that's what you're looking for. Um, <laughs> And no, we don't carry sprouts anymore because for some reason they kept getting recalled. So you can't have any sprouts. Uh, no, the sandwiches don't come with chips. What do you think this is? Pot belly? Um, do you want a bowl or a cup? Uh, do you want a bowl or a cup as I stand there clicking my pen against the hardwood counter? Clicking my pen against my teeth. If you come in and I'm trying to do dishes and I need to do the dishes so that I can get out on time, I'm going to be a dick to you. <laughs> it's the lady or the tiger. Uh, <laughs> I hold the power because I went to art school and my parents still pay my rent. <laughs> uh, which I am insanely guilty about, and therefore... Uh, push myself to do things like draw every day. And uh, when I go home and talk to my parents, uh, I get snippy at them when they ask me things about, like, so where is comics going as a career? Because they have expectations of me, and they should. Uh, I am a white, middle-class American, mm -hmm. and they want grandchildren someday. Uh, they want the nice retirement home, which is what they've told me since I was about seven years old. Yeah, my mom says that to me. Uh, so, I draw comics, and I draw autobiographical comics, so I think about myself a lot. Hence the selfishness and the uh, hipsterdom. Uh, I'm an only child. My mom and dad, this is their only shot, and they do want grandchildren, like I said. But instead, I turn around and aspire to treating Lincoln Parkers like assholes. Uh, because I'm wimpy, I'm nervous, I was never good at sports, uh, and I still don't think I'll ever amount to anything, even in cartooning. Uh, so I aim super low. And uh, if you're a cartoonist, it helps to uh, be really self-deprecating. Um, so, there's this comic book convention in Brooklyn. It's called uh, Cab. Comic Arts Brooklyn. And this group that I draw with, they're called Trouble Club. And we got invited to go there. But somebody didn't get back to whoever, and so we're not going to go. But I bought my plane ticket. So I could either go there, just hang out, have fun, see if my friends want to give me some space at their table. Uh, or I could just go and have a vacation. Or I could cancel my flight and stay home and stick around. Because uh, I already asked off work. So... <laughs> Uh, I was explaining to this this to my mother when I was home the other night for dinner. Uh, she's chopping peppers, and I'm telling her that Spirit Airlines, apparently, if you try to reschedule your flight, they will fine you. But if you cancel it, they don't do any. They don't care. Uh, so that's Spirit Airlines, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> um, so my options are to take a vacation, to cancel my flight, take a vacation at home. And uh, mom goes, uh, just do whatever you think is best for your career. And uh, so I, 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 got, I got kind of upset. 
Uh, I'm getting upset. She's getting upset. She's chopping peppers. My teeth are uh, chattering, and my jaw is locking up. Uh, and she says, you have to think about what's best for your career. And I can't tell if she's using the you or the royal you. Like, <laughs> you as in anyone should just think about what's best for their career. Also, I'm standing up here bad-mouthing my mom, and I hope she doesn't ever hear this. Because uh, <laughs> I've already drawn her a bunch of times, and I know it killed her. Shucks. Uh, <laughs> um, but, so, I'm the, she's offering me this advice, and I say to her, now, Mom, is, is that what you're saying because that's what you think I want, or is that what you want me to do? Um, so I'm just learning how to deal with these feelings of not giving them what they might expect from me, even though they've supported me all through art school and all through uh, just wanting to make coffee and uh, do nothing, as long as I can pay the, the bills and keep the lights on, right? Um, so there's an awkward silence, and she sighs. And because I am a self-obsessed asshole, I, uh, I very... Metaphysically break the fourth wall And I say mom are you stressed out Because of this uh, stressful situation This this conversation we're having right now is Why are you sighing uh, Which is not something that people do in sitcoms uh, Nor uh, Gilmore Girls Which is the show that she watches um, So uh, she goes No Kevin I'm not upset at you Because uh, of this conversation that we're having because not everything is about you. I'm mad because this pack of peppers has too many reds and not enough yellows. Which is fair because sometimes <laughs> sometimes people get mad because there are too many red peppers and not enough yellows. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kevin. All right, guys. Here's some more songs. Uh, Man walks down the street, says, Why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a photo opportunity. I want a shot of redemption. Don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard. Bone digger, bone digger. The moonlight far away. My wallet door. Mr. Beer Belly and Beer Belly. Get these months away from me, you know. I don't find this stuff amusing anymore. If you'll be my bodyguard, I can be a long lost pal. I can call you Betty and 
suggested it is because I played bass and I'm like no I'm not fucking learning that <laughs> this has been a Nerdalogs production for more on the Nerdalogs and our shows please go to www.nerdalogs.com thank you all thank you all I am grabbot23548x